You're listening to a Frequency Podcast Network production. According to government numbers, there were 282,371 doses of COVID-19 vaccines administered in Canada this Wednesday. That's a lot. Canada is very lucky. But it's worth noting that Wednesday's number was actually the lowest total number of vaccines administered in one day since May 25th, when our vaccination effort was still ramping up. One day's numbers are just one day. But the overall pattern clearly now shows a plateau and even a slow decline in daily vaccinations. Some of that decline was bound to happen, but not all of it. With more than 75% of eligible Canadians having one dose, and more than 50% having two, we've picked the low-hanging fruit when it comes to vaccinations. The last mile of this vaccine rollout is going to be tougher. It's going to be about making shots easily accessible, about targeting individuals who, for whatever reason, simply haven't bothered yet. And it's going to be about convincing vaccine-hesitant people in person, one-on-one, to get their shots. None of those things are easily done at mass vaccination clinics or in big lineups at hospitals and community centers. Fortunately, that's not the only way that we administer vaccines in this country. There is another way, and I don't want to spoil it, but it's, well, it's the way we administer almost every other vaccine in this country. So maybe we could try that next. I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. This is The Big Story. Dr. Liz Mugga is the president of the Ontario College of Family Physicians. Hello, Dr. Mugga. Hi, thanks for having me. You're very welcome. This is something that a lot of people we've talked to about vaccines said as a conversation that we should have at some point. So I'm really glad we're having it. Yeah, yeah, me too. You know, I think that... um... We're excited uh, as family doctors to be participating in the vaccination rollout for COVID-19, uh, but I think there's you know, lots, lots to dig into there. So I look forward to our conversation about this. So first, maybe in general, um, pre-COVID or just leaving COVID aside, how much of vaccinating in Canada is done by family physicians typically? Mm-hmm. So the great majority of vaccination is done by family doctors in their offices. So we start vaccinating uh, really um, when we see patients at, at who are infants. Uh, so right from the very, very beginning through childhood and, and then all the way through to those who are quite elderly. Um, so that's uh, the reality right across the country is that we're doing that. There are some... Um, vaccinations that are, you know, we share the responsibility with other parts of the health sector. So, so school age vaccines that happen often around grades seven and eight, that's something uh, that public health uh, takes the lead on in many provinces, including in um, Ontario. So those school-based vaccines would be an exception. And, and the flu shot is one where we share with pharmacies. So um, in the most recent year, pre-COVID, Family Docs gave about 55% of all flu shots in Ontario, and then the rest were given um, through pharmacy and some public health units. Um, but overall, Family Docs really uh, are the ones leading vaccination for patients from cradle to grave. So if we had been having this conversation, uh, let's say back last November or December, just as we were starting to get approvals uh, on these vaccines and it was becoming a reality, what role would you have envisioned uh, that family doctors might play in the rollout? 
Well, given what I just told you, you know, that this really is our core business, um, I just anticipated we would be heavily involved in this vaccination rollout. Um, it was clear, of course, that um, this was a not a typical vaccination effort. I mean, this is a massive one that was going to require a different approach. So I also assumed that we would have some mass vaccine clinics and public health would be leaning in and pharmacies would be leaning in really a, an all hands on deck. But I absolutely thought we would be part of the, you know, really on the main team, so to speak. Uh, and um, I, I looked a bit to what was happening in other jurisdictions. I think many of us did as family doctors. So if you think about, um, say, the United Kingdom or Israel, who were ahead of us in terms of their vaccine rollout, and we looked at what was happening there, we saw that family doctors were playing a bigger role in those countries, family docs had been engaged really early. They had been onboarded so that they were ready. Um, it was really kind of a, a system where everyone was asked, you know, do you want to participate or not as a family doc? And, and if you did, you were uh, given those vaccines and, and uh, off you went. So based on all of that, I think we really uh, had had a particular impression and, and we're looking forward to, um, you know, really participating uh, as, as partners and, and as leaders in that vaccine effort. And so when did you start to realize that you would, not to say not involved, because I know that family doctors are doing some things, but when did you kind of realize you would be more, I guess, more on the bench than in the starting lineup as like the team came together to put out vaccines? Yeah, it, well, it became clear to us um, in sort of December-ish that uh, we were not being called upon early on to um, participate in the planning for the vaccination rollout. And that was our first uh, indicator, I guess. Right. And then the vaccine started to roll out and we saw that government was handing the vaccines to mass vaccination clinics and to pharmacies. Um and that we weren't we weren't going to be engaged. Uh, so actually, in Ontario, what we did uh, at that early juncture, as things were just starting, is um, we came together as family physician leaders and leaders in the primary care sector generally across Ontario uh, came together to talk about this and to think about well, what's our strategy going to be? How do we get our message out uh, that we really want to participate? That we're feeling like we're on the bench, so to speak. Uh, so that was a, a early effort that was um, a grassroots in some ways effort and then included many um, associations and organizations that support or represent family doctors, including our Ontario College. Um, and then uh, what happened was there was a bit of a trickle that came to uh, primary care to family docs. So the province said, well, We'll, we'll have some portion of vaccines that will now go to family physicians. And in six public health units, there are 34 public health units across the province. In six public health units, we will give those public health units a small amount of vaccine. At that stage, it was only the AstraZeneca. And um, we'll see how it goes. We'll pilot this. Hmm. Um, so we were given in those areas, family docs stood up and said, sure, we'll take some. And public health units handed the vaccines to those clinics. Um, and the vaccines were all uh, allocated and jabs uh, got into arms, so to speak. And then that pilot was expanded. And so then all 34 public health units, again, were given small amounts, again, AstraZeneca, um, to give to a portion of the uh, family docs who had their hands up in each of the 34 public health units. Um, so where we are now is, uh, you know, in that same model, essentially, there are uh, somewhere around six to 700 uh, family practices or, or 
primary care sites, so to speak, where vaccines are being given um, by family doctors um, and in office. Can you give me a little context around that? Maybe like how how many family doctors are in Ontario in general? Like what percentage are we talking about that's actually putting shots into arms? Yeah, it's a great that's a great question. So there are 15,000 family doctors in Ontario and of those uh, somewhere around 10,000 are practicing what I would call comprehensive um family medicine. So that's the cradle to grave where, you know, you would be, um, this would be absolutely part of your core business. So when I say 700 sites, there could be a number of family docs working in each of those sites. So we don't actually have those numbers, you know, Mm. that, that would be information that uh, the government would have, because when you're giving vaccinations, you record yourself as the vaccinator. Um, But we don't have those numbers on how many family docs are giving uh, vaccines. We just have how many sites, you know, locations, clinics, so to speak, um, is it being given? So, right. Um, you know, I can tell you, we know from our family doc members of the um, of our college that there are many who have their hand up and have been wanting vaccines and haven't been able to give them. Was there ever a conversation with the province about that? You know, when you kind of realized that it wasn't going to happen and you said, hey, we have our hands up here, like we can help. Were you ever given a dialogue to explain why you weren't more heavily involved? Um, we definitely um, made that message clear to the ministry in every way that we could. In March, um, we did uh, release the results of a survey that we had done of the public, which um, showed that there was uh, a good portion who were still uncertain about getting vaccinated, and that particularly for that group to move the dial for them from feeling unsure towards feeling certain about and ready to be vaccinated more than any other healthcare provider, it was their family doctor who would help them do that. And, um, you know, I I would say it was a disappointment to us that we had to continue to advocate to participate in something that was really our core business. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I, I guess uh, I, I would be remiss to, to not talk about, you know, all the other ways family docs were participating in vaccinations. So there were lots of family doctors who uh, were and are still working in those mass vaccine clinics giving vaccines. Um, There were family docs who also partnered, um, again, with public health to support vaccination in long-term care and retirement homes. um, So where those efforts were happening. So, you know, I think we really stepped up in any way that we could um, to be able to participate in this really important effort to get everybody vaccinated. Um, But the piece that was missing was that opportunity for us to do it in office. The big story will be back in just a minute. Did you ever get a reason? Like, was it logistics? Was it that they just thought mass vaccine clinics would be faster and more effective? Or was it just like, wait your turn, you'll get some? (laughs) Um, You know, I think you'd have to ask them exactly uh, what their reasons were. It was never laid out for us explicitly. Um, I think at the front end, you know, it it was a, a vaccination effort that I think they said, like, you know, how do we get this done the quickest, right? That was the sort of main imperative. And I Mm -hmm. guess they saw the mass vaccine clinics as uh, an efficient way. And and I think that's, you know, true. And I would commend public health for their um, incredible work in terms of running those mass vaccine clinics. But, you know, what we're seeing now with the plateauing is that 
you know, this, this absolutely was about an efficient, speedy vaccination process being important. But the other outcome when it starts to plateau is you need to reach uh, the full population and you will get to a point where there are people who can't or um, don't want to stand in a long line uh, in, in a mass vaccine clinic or don't feel that uh, the pharmacy is where they want to go. And, um, you know, now uh, they've turned to us and I would say, well, yes, we, <laughs> this is what we've been telling you. You know, if you'd involved <laughs> us from the beginning, um, we could have helped in the front end uh, so that we did this uh, really as all hands on deck. And we also would have um, really been working on that population that maybe has questions and wasn't prepared to go somewhere else to get to get vaccinated. So at the start, um, there was certainly a question about transportation of the vaccines. So the AstraZeneca vaccine was one where it was much easier to transport and store. And then we just learned, well, that's not a problem, actually. We can have Moderna and Pfizer. Both of those can be stored safely and perfectly well in a family doctor's office with absolutely no questions. Um, but that may have been, you know, an early, an early piece. Um, I, I have to say, you know, when we look across uh, the country, I think we can see there was a similar pattern right across Canada in terms of the potential of family doctors um, really not being realized. Let's talk maybe about why that can change now. You know, you mentioned we've hit the plateau. Um, that's one reason. Maybe let's start with how you guys can can maybe, you know, I can't speak for every instance, but can maybe try to succeed where other uh, vaccine pushes have failed? No, I think um, I would start with what family medicine is all about, which is this relationship with a patient over time. So, you know, I know my patients from um, many of them from the time they were little babies all the way through. Um, and so, you know, that trust uh, that builds between um, the family doctor and their patient is such a powerful part of um, supporting vaccination. I mean, I think when something's new, like a new vaccine, you you want to go to somebody who you trust uh, to talk about that. And, um, you know, they've, they've given you good advice before. They've seen you through thick and thin. They've given you all your other vaccines. Um, so, that's who you want to talk to. And, you know, from my end, I would say I feel so well equipped to have these conversations with my patients. I mean, I know everything about their health history. Uh, I know all the medications they're on. Um, as a doctor, I'm absolutely up to date on all of these vaccines, what their side effects could be, when you need to take them, how they work. And, uh, you know, what they might mean for you as an, as an individual, you know, I don't, I'm not, don't have to speak in generalities. I can say, I know you and, and what's going on with you and you're on this medicine or have that illness. Um, and so I combine that, you know, that trust and, and then our, our knowledge, um, our scientific knowledge, and then our very individualized understanding of that person's health conditions. And all of that together is the reason why family doctors are really just so uniquely positioned uh, to provide vaccines and at, at any stage of a vaccination rollout. But right now, you know, as we're talking about this sort of um, the last mile, some people are calling it or the last kilometer uh, at this juncture when we really have people who, yeah, haven't even, there's a, a portion who haven't even had their first shot. So, mm -hmm. and, you know, I, we see patients over time and I will say, 
uh, from personal experience that these conversations about the vaccine and, and can take more than one go, right. right? So I'm having multiple conversations over time with someone, you know, and uh, I take every opportunity, every visit that I have with somebody right now includes a conversation about the vaccine. Can you give me an example of what those conversations might be like? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I really, honest to goodness, I have it with every single patient encounter. And if it's a mom who's come in or a dad who's come in uh, with their child, and maybe their child, you know, isn't, of an age where, you know, they're, they're getting vaccinated, then I still take that opportunity to talk to the parents, you know, have you been vaccinated? Like, yeah, well, let's talk about your little one. And then let me just finish by asking you this. So I asked the question, it's um, asked, uh, really important that this is approached with uh, empathy, this conversation, um, and with curiosity, I would say, because uh, there's not one reason why somebody may not be ready to be vaccinated. And so, you know, it's actually quite interesting um, to have those conversations, you know, and you prod a bit, well, like, you know, what, tell me what's on your mind. What are you worried about? And, and sometimes, you know, I, I had um, a patient uh, recently who I talked to and I was really surprised that she hadn't been vaccinated. She's got multiple health issues and uh, um, she lives on her own. So she's uh, frail and um, would be really at risk uh, for COVID complications and she hadn't been vaccinated and I well what's that about and I you know my head maybe had some assumptions well maybe it's about the medicines she's on or her illnesses or whatever no her worry was she pretty much hadn't left the house during the pandemic because she was so worried about catching COVID so the thought of going to a mass vaccine clinic or even into a pharmacy was one that she was very fearful of so you know i have to say we were lucky our clinic in Ottawa we are vaccinating our patients we were lucky to get vaccines and so you know then I could work her through that and say we well, you know here let's let's book you here let's book you in here and so you know for her that was what it was about right was about a say a place where she felt safe mm-hmm. and an environment that was familiar to her um with someone else it's a it could be a totally different conversation you know people have um sometimes have a sense about what their personal risk may or may not be. So I I have had patients where um, they actually have very um, sort of public facing work. I I had somebody who was a mechanic, for example, and is working uh, in a garage, so pretty closed in space with lots of other people and has to talk to clients when they come in with their cars. And, but his sense was, well, I'm not, I'm not at risk. Like I just Mm -hmm. go from my house and then I'm, you know, in the garage. And then I was like, well, actually, you know, you're essentially like an essential worker and, and you are exposed to people. So let's talk about that, your perception of your personal risk, right? Um, and, uh, and and now, you know, there's there's lots of questions now we're dealing with youth. So, right. you know, I think for anyone listening to this podcast, I would say like that group, getting that group vaccinated, the um, 12 to 17 year olds is just such a critical priority for us over the summer um, so that we make sure as many people, you know, as many of these kids are vaccinated when they head into school as possible, just how important that is. And, and you know, that, again, was a different kind of conversation that you have with the parent and with the child, right? Sure. About yeah. maybe some of them are really afraid of needles. Like that's actually a super common thing. So, you know, yeah. So those would be, um, yeah, those would be just just a, a few examples. But I, I think... Sometimes, um, you know, if we make some assumptions about why somebody may be hesitant, we really miss the mark. That's really interesting because I think when we talk about vaccine hesitancy, we all get this image in our head of 
those people online or on Facebook who think it's going to give you a 5G chip and think it's going to alter your DNA and all of that kind of stuff, when that's actually a really small percentage of even the people who aren't getting vaccinated. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right, Jordan. It's really a spectrum. And um, well, I also think what somebody might say uh, online or with how they may react you know, to a certain bit of news in social media and everything, that may be very different than the conversation that they feel comfortable having in a safe place with their family doctor, where they can really put on the table, like, this is actually what I'm really worried about, right? Like, I, act, I have a real fear here. And and and, um, and you can safely talk about it and help them move towards, um, you know, hopefully being more ready. So let's talk about the last mile then. Yeah. The first question I have is, have you guys had an internal conversation about putting a plan together, um, being ready, having your hands in the air and being ready to go? And and second of all is, have you been given any indication that the time is coming for you guys to get in the game? Mm-hmm. So um, to your first question, like, absolutely. We've been talking about that as a college. We've been doing that in partnership with other um, organizations that support or represent family doctors in primary care. So we've worked really hard to um, keep our all of our family doc members um, informed, uh, engaged, um, ready for when those vaccines uh, arrive. And in terms of what we've you know, heard, we heard the announcement from Minister Elliott, um, I guess that was last week now, saying that family doctors were going to play a bigger role. We welcomed that. As I said, you know, it was something that we've been telling them for a long time. So we welcomed uh, that messaging from her. We don't know what that's going to look like yet. So we have not been told, you know, does playing a bigger role mean that we're going to get more vaccines? And if we're going to get more vaccines, you know, how many vaccines are we going to get and 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 when? Um, so the details of that are not clear to us. Um, we've you know certainly uh, understood that uh, the government has seen that things have plateaued and they need to do some they need to do things differently and that doing things differently. You know, you and I have just talked most of this time about um, how that you know, what that means for family doctors being more involved. I, I think doing things differently is also going to mean more sort of just generally kind of smaller community-based efforts where the vaccines are going to the people um, in more pop-ups, um, you know, maybe maybe school-based. Um, so I think it's, you know, there's there are a number of strategies that we understand that they're looking at, but no, we have not seen a plan. Uh, and, and, and we, you know, look forward to receiving that information from... Um, from government and and it, you know we we hope to hear more um, and continue to give that messaging back to to government and other partners. Dr. Mugga, thank you so much for this. I feel like I got some real insight into uh, what you guys can bring off the bench. I guess. <laughs> yeah. So that's the point. Yeah. Don't bench us. We're uh, we're a core part of the team, and uh, we're absolutely you know here. Uh, ready to support um, the efforts um, to make sure that all Ontarians are um, are vaccinated and we can get back to normal again. Dr. Liz Maga is the president of the Ontario College of Family Physicians. That was the big story. For more from us, including lots and lots and lots about vaccines, head to thebigstorypodcast.ca. Talk to us anytime on Twitter at thebigstoryfpn. Email us with your thoughts and opinions and criticism, and most importantly, praise at the Big Story Podcast, all one word, all lowercase, at rci.rogers.com. 
and find us in your favorite podcast player. Whichever one it is, we'll be there. Stephanie Phillips is the lead producer of The Big Story. Ryan Clark and Joseph Fish are associate producers. I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. Be safe this weekend. Enjoy it. Thanks for listening. We'll talk Monday.